0: Okay, we're in the book of Genesis. I think we got through chapter 1. We're moving right along here. Come to chapter (coughs) 2. And uh, I want to think about it here because there's a situation that comes up. And uh, I want to address it here. This is where it comes up. Uh, uh, chapter 1 is clearly given to us uh, to teach us that God is what? A God of order. We've been pressing that on you, helping you. To understand that the creation laid out one day after the next, one thing after the next, is God acting in an orderly fashion and creating the world. And we have a record of all six days of creation in chapter 1. They are not tremendously detailed, but they tell us each thing that happened as God is orderly, Creating, putting things on the world, and why he did it. All right, and so uh, we come then to chapter two. And if we look at chapter 2 verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. On the seventh day God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all which He had made. And God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, because that was in He had rested from all His work which God created and made. And so we have in chapter 1 we go the days of creation. 1 through 6. Now we come to chapter 2, and he mentions the seventh day. Creation is finished. God rests from his work. He doesn't rest because he's tired. All right? God doesn't get tired. You can't make God tired, all right? I think he gets sick of us sometimes, maybe, okay? But he's never been tired. He does, he's not tired. So he didn't rest because, so whoo, that was quite a job, all right? Even though it was. There, there is, he has an infinite amount of energy, and so that he never really expends energy. You understand? You don't have an infinite amount, Right? <laughs> you run short right I'm finding more and more I gotta run a little short now on that all right, because we use some. God never runs out of energy, because He really doesn't use energy like we do. And so, He has an infinite amount all the time. So, He doesn't rest because He's tired, but He rests because He's finished. And it says there that it was finished. He finished the creation. And as He looked at everything He made, He said it was good. It was very good. And then we come to verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and heavens. All right, now we're going to go on a different little path. And what some people believe is that we mentioned the first six days. Okay, chapter 1. Go to chapter 2 and mention the seventh day. And after the seventh day, what well, comes? Well, naturally the eighth day. <laughs> all right. So we got 6 days of creation. We got 7th day, and it must be the 8th day, right? Now that may sound logical, but it's not, all right? It's not logical. Um, the purpose of chapter 1 is to establish that God orderly created all things. Now we come to chapter 2. Is it just continuing the story? No, that's not what it's doing. But there are people who believe in what they call the eighth day creation. Now, I'm only bringing this up because uh, you might run into it sometime. Uh, You might run into somebody who will talk about the eighth day creation. Uh, (laughs) And smile and say, nice to know you today. Don't argue with them because it's foolish. All right. I'm only telling you because you might run into it. There are some radio preachers uh, who talk about this quite often. What they say is that, okay, God created the world, and then He got to the sixth day, and He filled the world with animals. And then it says in chapter 1, He made man. Seventh day, He rested, eighth day, what happens? Well, now we're talking about Adam, all right? And we look at verse 7, chapter 2. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden towards Eden where He put the man whom He had formed. And so, there are some people who say that Adam was created on the eighth day, all right? So on the eighth day, God created Adam. But they also say, on the sixth day, He made humans, and He weren't anything special. He just stuck a few of them around. All right, He made these humans on the sixth day, but He waited till the eighth day to make Adam, because Adam was special. All right. Now, is there anything ringing wrong in your mind? Should be huge bells going, boom, boom. No, 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 no. All right, eighth day creation, people say, that chapter one, you get a creation, God made a few humans and left them here and there. And then he rests a day. Now he's going to make a special creation, he's going to make Adam. And he's going to make Eve. And he's going to do something very special with these people on the eighth day. Uh, There's lots of problems with it. uh, And the main problem is that if chapter 2 is just chapter 1 extended, all right, And and you read it that way, you say, well, he's just going on with the story. Then you could come up with this eighth day creation. But if you say chapter 2 is going back into chapter 1 and finding the special events that happened there and explaining them a little deeper, then I think we got it right. So when we end up with the eighth day creation ideas. Uh, uh, that people have, uh, we can get kind of confused about things. And the number one issue, all right, is if there's other people in the world. And the reason, one of the reasons they say that is if we were to read just a little chapter or two more, uh, we'd find that Cain went and married some ladies somewhere else. And they say, "Well, where those people come from? Where those people come from?" And uh, so they must have been created ahead of time. <coughs> well, every human ever created, right up to you and me, every human ever created, is loved equally by God. If you want to say, "All right," So God made a bunch of people who didn't think much of him, so he's gonna make Adam to be special. Then you got a God who's kind of picks and chooses. Eh, I don't know if I like you or you or you or you, you know, but here's somebody I really like. Is that God? Of course not, that's not God. And so right away, we know that there's a flaw in that thinking because it's trying to set one human above the other. all right? Unless, in chapter one, on the sixth day, God created man, he said he created man, and that was Adam and Eve. In chapter two, he's going to go on to let's look back into chapter one, pick out the special events, and explain them a little more. All right. Because and here's where it becomes important. Uh, if there were other people on this world and Adam sinned and they were just hanging around, they got blamed for what Adam did. You raise your hand, well, so do we. Mm. Well, that's a little different with you and I. The, we inherited... From Adam, but if there are people before Adam, all right, and we have no record of their sin, what does the Bible say about that? Well, that's where we're, <coughs> we're going to look ahead and destroy this eight-day creation, Then we'll go back to chapter two look at it. I think the way it was meant to be looked at. But uh, there's a couple themes in Scripture. And the Apostle Paul is the great genius. He's the one who helps us to understand some of these things. Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, question or answer, one answer, is sin Adam's fault? Alright, Romans chapter 5, we'll look at verse number 12. Therefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Alright, so there was one man, it says, that brought sin into the world. And because sin came into the world, it was followed by death. Alright? Now look down at verse number 17. And if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more they which receive abundance of grace and gifts of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And so the situation that he's saying is, all right, how did we all get to be sinners? Well, sin came into the world with one man, Adam. All right, well, how are we going to get out of this mess? There's going to be one man. He's going to get us out of the mess. All right. So, Adam represents the one that got us in trouble. He's the one that started it. Now, don't forget this. See, if nobody had sinned up to me, then I would be the first one. Okay? (laughs) Nobody sinned up to you, you'd be. We'd all be the first one. We'd all do it. All right? So don't think that nasty Adam, he got us all in trouble. All right? But that's where it began. Adam rebelled. And then we'll look at that a little bit more. But Adam sinned. And so he says, so because one man brought sin in, it's possible that one man can take care of the problem. And that's Jesus Christ. Now, it will be much more specific. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Verse 21. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. All right, and so he says Adam brought sin in, but it caused death. All right, so how are we going to get away from death? Jesus came and what? Resurrected from the grave. And so now we can come back to life, resurrect down to verse number 45 of 15, 1 Corinthians 15. So it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Or Jesus here is called the last Adam, that one man. All right? 46. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but after that which is natural, afterward then which is spiritual. The first man, Adam, is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy such are they also that are earthy that's you and me physical bodies as is the heavenly such are they also that are heavenly but we as have borne the image of the earthly we shall also bear the image of the heavenly all right and so he said you you got Adam's stamp on you yeah. made like Adam and he said now we 're going to be made like Christ and so the point of the argument is that there was one man in the beginning who was responsible, and that was Adam. And if we say, well, he was a special creation who came along later, somehow God wasn't fair to the rest of those people. All right? What happened to the rest of the people? Where did they go to? Uh, What happened to them? And so (coughs) then we say, all right, the first one was ever here put on earth was Adam, it says, we made the man on the sixth day. The so Adam's put here, on the sixth day, all right? And he says he created male and female on the sixth day. So, of course, the female was Eve, okay? And if we look over at uh, chapter 3 in Genesis now, we get another thing to establish the idea that Adam and Eve were first. Alright. Verse 20. Chapter 3 of Genesis verse 20. Adam called his wife name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So that every human alive came from Eve. We're all related back to her. Right, there weren't other women and other people in the world populating the world as people some people think. All right? Rather, we have Adam who's responsible for sin, and when we look at it and we say... It doesn't seem fair that he set us all in this mess we're in. Well, it doesn't seem fair either that Jesus got us out of the mess <laughs> that we're in, okay? But that's the nature of the way God created. And so he starts on the sixth day, makes Adam. The eighth day creation, the idea that Adam came along as sort of an afterthought? Nah. We talked about that last time. God doesn't have afterthoughts. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. He knew that humans were going to rebel. Therefore, we said last week, he made us in his image, right? He put us in his image, and then when we rebel, Jesus could come down like a hand into a glove and fit the image and live among us, okay? God knew ahead of time. So, uh, the idea that the eighth day creation was Adam, uh, no, that doesn't really work. It doesn't work with the rest of the scripture. If Adam is responsible, then he had to be here first, okay? Now, let's go to chapter 2 and see what it does say. What is it? What is its point of it? Well there were events that happened and he's trying to give us the idea of who we are. What's the, what's, what is the human race? Who are we? What's our tendencies? Who are we like? And so when he creates Adam he doesn't say anything about him in chapter 1. He just says he created man. There he is. In chapter 2, I'm going to, to fill in a little bit of information, tell you about who this person was in chapter 1 that was created. Alright, so now let's go to verse 4 Genesis 2. Look at it not as Day 8 but as a review of what happened back in the other days of creation. So we are going to start in verse 4 chapter 2. These are the generations or this is the reporting of the heavens of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So he says now we are going to talk about The creation. We're going to report to you some of the things that happened. Verse 5, every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, but there was not a man to till the ground. So, some words we're going to put in here. Uh, First one is going to be God rests. On the seventh day. All right, now, he said, "Here, the plants were on the world in the world." And verse six, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. <clears throat> and so, we go back to day number three, is it? All right, day number four. Day number three, when God split the ground, made oceans and dry land, and then he covers it with plants. And so the whole earth is green and filled with all sorts of plants. And uh, he says there's two things. God watered the plants. Now, Pretty soon we're going to have to water those plants we put in over there. You going to have to water them a lot because that's the way plants are. They need watering. So in the first creation, it's on the third day, God makes all these plants. And then he says, by the way, God watered them every day. He used mist. So the sun that he created would shine and it raise up a dew, a heavy dew, and every day God watered the earth that way. And so there were plants here. They were growing. They were producing. Right? And the creation, as we look at the plants, it says they were doing fine without man. There was no man to take care of. No man to till the ground. So God makes creation. Plants. Life in particular, and he says, We don't need a man to take care of it. I'll take care of it. So he waters them the way he waters them, and he's tending to things, and everything is growing without a man. However, he says, There was no man to till the ground. So if creation. Plant life in particular is independent of man and can live without man, then why do we need a man to till the ground? So, what we're trying to do is get across to us all something about the human race, right? Because we may say, well, look at me, I'm made in the image of God. I mean, I'm fantastic. I'm unbelievable. Just look at me. And God says, see all implants? They don't need you. I took care of them. Crazy is independent of you. It doesn't need you. And then he turned around and said, we want a man to till the ground. So does it need us or not? Huh. Interesting question. No, simple enough. Think about it now. Why did God make plants? He made plants for humans, other animals too, but humans are going to eat them. Right? Did you eat a few today? I did. I ate a few things today right? that God made. Right? So, and breathe. And breathe the air. I breathe the air too. You bet I do. <sighs> Feels good. All right, now. How are humans going to view themselves? Okay. Creation doesn't need us. But creation was for us. All right. So God said, I want this to be for them. Otherwise, who's going to eat the apples? <laughs> right? And so if we put a world here... And we don't put any humans on it, what's it like? It's like I remember here 35 years ago. 35 years ago, I walked in this building, there was six of us, my wife and four, what it can only describe as little old ladies. Some of you remember Vera and Annabelle. A couple of you remember, and they, they were missionary ladies. Uh, who joined us in the beginning here. And then uh, there was two other missionary ladies who were also little old ladies, named Allison Eunice. They were from Niagara County, and they both were in the Bible Club movement, and they wanted to see the church. Now, when you came in 35 years ago, you didn't go, hey, it looks great. It was a dump. Was literally a dump, just junk everywhere. All right, and we had cleared out a little spot right in there move some pews, and the lady said, come on, let's hold hands and sing. So right there in the midst of the junk everywhere, all over, and raccoons and every other thing, we stood right there, we all held a circ- hands in a circle, and the six of us uh, sang, praise God from all whom all blessings flow. And I thought, that's the first time music was in this church in over 30 years. This is what it was meant for. It was meant to sing. And even in the junk, sing praise God from whom all blessings flow. Then the building had purpose. The earth needed a purpose. A reason. Man was a reason. So if you create a world like ours was covered with green growing things, And you don't put any man in there. It's like a church that's empty. It's an empty church. It's meant for man to come in and see what God has done and say, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. And so, in one way, the earth doesn't need humans, right? It couldn't survive without us. Maybe do better, right? Uh, But in the other way, it was made for humans. So, when you think you're almighty powerful and you're going to fix this planet, sit down. <laughs> Calm down, you know. You can't do it. planet is independent of you. At the same time, it was made for you. And so, in the humans, uh, as humans, we got creation, and uh, it was independent of us, but it was also made for us. And so don't get the idea you're big and powerful. Just get the idea that God is being really good and he gave you this world. And not because you're a big shot. No, let's go on a little farther and see what else we find. Verse 7. Chapter 2. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And now, chapter 1, I will make God in my image. (laughs) What do you think of that? We're made in God's image. We carry around with us the image of Almighty God. I'm going to make you out of the dirt. (laughs) There you go. That's a good assessment of the human. All right? There's something in us that God loves, that God thought was worth saving. But you're also made of dirt. (laughs) So, okay, don't get the idea. He's trying to get into focus what God sees when he looks down and up. Yeah, I made them in my image. I want to save them. But I did make them out of dirt. You're made out of dirt. So... (laughs) You you are in the image of God and you're also dirt. (laughs) That's a good thing. Good thing, right? You you begin to get a concept, all right, what? That God loves these people. He's done some very good things for them, but they are limited. They're limited. All right, now. Let's see what happens next. Verse 8. Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Notice only one man. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, good for food, tree of life also in the midst of the garden, a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Alright, so said, well, he's building this planet, filling it with trees and wonderful things. Part of his creation was a little spot called Eden. A beautiful, beautiful garden. And there's this garden which seems to be specially made for humans. A fabulous, beautiful place. It's got everything you want. Berries and bushes and fruit and everything is all over there. Why, you just walked around and said, I think I'll eat this today. It's a fabulous idea. And then in the thing, there's one tree there, which is the knowledge of good and evil. So God says, Here's the most beautiful garden that will ever be in the history of the world, I'm gonna make that first, put you in there. Everything you want is there. By the way, there's one tree that will kill you. What's he doing? What's he doing? He's making us responsible. You say, Adam was responsible. Yeah, Adam was responsible. We're responsible. Humans are responsible. So he says, I want you to know, man, I made life good for you, but I expect you to be responsible. And so I'm going to put something in the garden that can kill you. So what do we got? Made in the image of God, fantastic. You're made of Turk, too. All right. Okay. Here's this garden of Eden. What a place. Got a tree in there. It will kill you. All right and uh, uh, here's this beautiful green world it doesn't need you but it was made for you and so we're beginning to see God reaching down as he's creating a thing now here's the race I'm going to make they're very special I want to make it just right for them and I'm going to put them in this garden verse 10 river went out of Eden to water the garden. From thence it was parted came into four heads. Name of the first is Pison which compasseth the whole land of Havilah and where there is gold and the gold in the land is good and there is Bedellum and the onyx stone. The name of the second river is Gion and same as that that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia it's going to Africa. Name of the third river is Haidekal which is that goes up towards the east of Assyria Going to the north, fourth river is the Euphrates, and the Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. All right, so verse one, rest. Right now, what work? <laughs> All right, so we have rest and also work. He gave man work to do. He's now. Responsible to make a choice and he's gonna have to work. All right, not bad work, pretty good work, but he's gonna work and tend to the garden. Verse 16 here's the great catch the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree in the garden thou mayest eat freely but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So there's the poison ivy in the garden of Eden. That's the nasty thing and God says I gave you the whole place that there's one tree just don't eat that. Simple enough right? Simple enough. One thing, don't do it. Alright, let's go on. Verse 18. The Lord God says, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. That's the why I recall every living creature was a name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the fowl of the air, every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept, took one of his ribs, closed up the Flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. So he says, Now I made you a man. Here is a woman. It's going to be a perfect complement. 23, Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. All right, so God says, "I." another thing I'm going to tell you about the human race is that we're going to start something called marriage. And it means the husband and the wife are going to cling together. They're going to stay together. They're going to hold together. They're going to turn from two people into one. One flesh tied together. All right? And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And so, God created what now? All right? He put them in a world where they could have rest, but they had work. All right? Creation didn't need them, but it was made for us. He made us in His image, but He made us out of dirt. He put us in the Garden of Eden, and He put a tree in there that would kill us we're now responsible for what we do. All right. And he said they were naked but not ashamed. That is, they were innocent. Innocent. All right? That's the way it was set up. You didn't just stick humans in there and say, well, let's see what happens. All right? <laughs> he gave them limitations. I gave them responsibility. This is how you're supposed to behave if you're a human. Right, you're supposed to recognize your responsibility do the work that he's here for you to do. All right. Realize that you're not some big shot. All right, You're just plain old human. Made in God's image, great, wonderful, but made from the dirt too. All right, and and uh, I gave you a helper and I want that helper. To work together with you, support each other, and be tied together in a very tight knot. That's what I want. That's the way the human race was meant to be. And if it had been that way, what would have happened? Nobody would have died. Nobody would ever die. They'd live here. Down here in this beautiful earth, eating apples off the trees and having a good time, enjoying their wives and husbands, and finally going off up to heaven when God said, "Ah, Why don't you come up here now? And that's apparently what God intended because He gave them bodies that lasted a thousand years. How's yours doing? Time's up. Yeah, right. right. We're, yeah, we're getting to that point. We're getting, oh, what was that feeling? Oh, man. You know, Hey, my fingers don't. All kinds of stuff, right? Because we fall apart about 70, 80, 90. If we get that far, God bless you. All right. And that's kind of the way it is. And uh, so God intended, obviously, for these people to live a long time. In this beautiful situation, as long as they were responsible. Right? Did what they were supposed to do. They were there for a purpose, and do what God wants you to do. Then we have chapter three. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So they're walking around in Eden. And a snake comes. He's a talking snake. All right. And you say, that's pretty crazy. Well, who, how do we know who that was? Well, it's obvious as the story unfolds that Satan is here. And he's able to enter into uh, various creatures. He can enter into humans. And we know that Satan took over Judas Iscariot. Okay, he can enter into humans. Uh, remember, the demons were in the, in, the, in the crazy man. And he said, let the demons out. And they went into the pigs. So he can go into animals. And so uh, why does Satan decide, I'm going to talk to them through this talking snake? Why does he do that? Well, because uh, they're kind of innocent kind of fresh they don't have a Bible <laughs> they don't know much really uh, and they know about the earth around them and if all of a sudden this being shows up and who was Satan it was originally a cherub <coughs> he's called the anointed cherub that cover and he was the most beautiful of all the angels and he had the ability to appear very beautiful, and so this beautiful being came in at him, and he was like, oh, "Where'd he come from? I'm like, What's that? I better not talk to him." But when the snake is coming, he said, like, "Oh yeah, we see them all the time. He's like, this one's talking. We'll listen." So, I think it was very clever on Satan's part because if there's one thing that they were learning about, it was animals, right? They were naming the animals, they were watching the animals. He must have been a fan. I love to watch animals from the rabbits that run in my yard to the deer run across in front of me in the road. 25 times I've seen him real close. (laughs) That's 25 deer I hit with my car. You know, I love to see animals, love to watch birds. And can you imagine being in that Garden of Eden and there's birds all over and animals walking up and here comes a deer and there's an elephant, who knows what. Fabulous. You'd just be fascinated. Why do people go to zoos, right? Because they love to watch animals. And so uh, they were looking at the animals and here comes a snake. And uh, they have no prejudice yet. So the snake says, "Hey, hey, uh, 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 did God say you're not supposed to eat of that tree there?" And the woman verse 2 said unto the serpent, We may eat of the free of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Did God say don't touch it? Yeah. That means don't touch it. Yeah, he did. He did. He so, said don't eat that fruit, right? Uh-uh. 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 Leave it alone. <laughs> don't touch it. Alright? Eat everything else you want, but don't touch Leave it alone. Alright? Leave it alone. And verse 4, The serpent said to them, You shall not surely die. And here comes a fascinating thing. We have watched a God of order create light, create an atmosphere, create the heavens and the planets and the stars and cover the earth with greenery and fill it the ocean with fish and he's been watching all these wonderful things orderly things and there is everything living and breathing and functioning and what a world and now chaos is coming back chaos did God say did God really say that is that what he meant you think God really meant, you should need of that fruit? Did God really say that? That's the ultimate lie, all right? It's the lie that everybody, every human has believed that lie at some point in their lives. Well, you don't have to be a Christian. So. You don't really have to follow God, do you? Do you have to. Uh, did God really say that we wouldn't, we'd go to hell? Did God say that? He couldn't have said that. And everybody doubts what God said. And that's why we talk about having faith. You got to believe what God said, not doubt it. If it's there, He said it, you better believe it. All right? And Satan comes through the snake and says, uh, God, God didn't mean that, did He? Matter of fact, Verse 5, God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. God has been trying to keep you kind of under his thumb. It's really what it is. God's got his thumb on you, kind of holding you down. Because if you have this great knowledge that that tree offers you, if you get this great knowledge in your head, uh, you're going to be just like him. You're going to be like him. And he doesn't want you to be like him. He's a little afraid that you'll be a little too powerful. Now, what have they been learning? We're not that important. Right, right. We're not that important. We're made of dust. Right? Creation doesn't need us to exist. Right? We got work to do, and we have responsibilities to take care of. Uh, but here he says, "God's afraid you're going to become powerful, just like him." And why? Because they weren't listening. So all the things that happened, they still had somewhere in their mind that we could be powerful. We could take over. We could spin our own worlds off our own creative fingertips. We could be like God. And so he says, you know, you could, you really could. You could be like God If you just had the kind of knowledge that God has, eat the fruit. And God just meant to hold you down and and make you stunted in your growth. I want you to grow. I want you to develop into something wonderful. Verse 6. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. Tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. Alright. So the one rule. you got one rule. got one rule. And through a lie. That Satan told to Eve. He said. It's just God holding you back. You'll be as wise as God if you eat that fruit. And she went ahead and ate the fruit. And she says she gave it to Adam. Now, the Bible tells us later, Eve was deceived. The snake whispered in her ear. She said, ah, I think maybe he's right. And she took the fruit and ate it. And then she brought it to Adam. Hey, look, this is pretty Good. I got some of that fruit that God said, but I don't think it's true, really. Uh, Why don't you eat it? What are you going to do if you're Adam? It says, Adam was not deceived. He knew they weren't supposed to eat that fruit. He knew that they weren't supposed to. But, this is a helper for me, this is my helpmate. God gave me this woman. She wants me to do something wrong. She's my helper. Give me that apple, I'm gonna eat it. All right. And so he twisted right away what? The whole concept of marriage. I twist twisted right away, you do wrong. We can do wrong together. We can do wrong together. And so Adam says he wasn't deceived. He knew he was doing wrong, but he said, this is my woman, and I'm in with her. Here we go. And they both jumped over that cliff. <coughs> well, verse 7. The eyes of them were both open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, made themselves aprons. And so uh, they didn't know before because they were innocent. And now they know. Now they sense it. And the whole world changes. So verse 8, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What a wonderful thing. God used to come every day. It's a nice evening. Have, let's have a walk. Let's go out to the garden look at all. Come on I'll go with you. God used to come and walk with them. And they heard him and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So the garden that was meant to be what? A serving place for them. A place where they would do their work and then reap the harvest. All that they wanted is now what? It's a hiding place from God. And the Lord called unto Adam and said where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. He said, who told thee that thou was naked? How would you know? How would you know? So, eating of the tree thereof, I commanded thee, thou should not eat. Of course, God knew. I think God knew before they ate it what was going to happen. He said, Will you tell me the truth? Twelve. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest me to be with me, she gave me the tree, and I did eat it. She did it. So, there we go. The classic destruction of the marriage. What? They did it. Not me. They did it. All right. So, we got a, a right away. Marriage falling apart. Why? He did it. I didn't do it. 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that thou hast done? The woman said, the serpent beguiled me. And I didn't eat it. He did it. He did it. And the very thought of putting them in a garden, giving them work to do, was so that they would be what? Responsible. And the first time something was wrong, what? I'm not responsible. And there's the human stance ever since. We're not responsible. We're not, it's not our fault. All right, we didn't do it. We're not responsible. <coughs> all right, here comes the bitter pill. 14. The Lord God said to the servant, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, is he talking about the snake or Satan? Well, the snake was a picture of deception. And so you're going to put it on the ground and make it slimy and yee. All right? When I see somebody say, oh, look at my snake. It's beautiful. I think, you're nuts. Get away from me with that snake. You know? I'm not fond of snakes. Anybody? You know, most people, yeah, get them away from me. All right? And it's been the concept that's went through human history that thing there. Don't mess with it. All right? But, of course, he's talking to Satan. 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. All right? And sometime he said, I'm going to raise through the woman that you deceive. The woman is going to bring into the world a child, seed, that child is going to crush your head. And you may bruise him, but he's going to crush your head. Well, you rather have, a bruised heel or a crushed head? You know? <laughs> and so he told Satan, there's, there's one coming, and one of the seed is coming, and he's going to crush your head. Right. And Satan said, ha, 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 I said, you think. That's what you think. Until what? Until Jesus Christ walked on this earth. And he said, I'll take a chance at him. And he led him into the wilderness. And he said, hey, jump off. Climb up that tower and jump off. No. Worship me. No. 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 Take that bread. You're starving. Take that stone. Turn it into bread. Nah. And Satan says he left him because he couldn't find anything in him that he could get hold of. All right, now when he comes to you and me, he got plenty to get a hold of. Can come in and get a hold of. I mean, he couldn't get a hold of Jesus. That was the one that was going to crush his head. 16, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow in thy conception. In sorrow shall thou bring forth children. and Thy desire shall be to thy husband. He shall rule over thee. I think they were meant to be together. All right. But it's going to be much more difficult. And he says, when you have these children, that is going to be a blessing. But it's going to hurt. It's going to be sad. There's going to be a sadness when you bring a child into the world. There's a certain sadness and there's a certain joy. Who brought the joy? Jesus brought the joy back into children, right? Jesus brought the joy back. All right. and verse 17, And Adam, he said, Because thou hearkened to the voice of thy wife, has eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. And sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou was taken, for dust thou art, unto dust thou shalt return turn in case you forgot. In case you forgot, you're dirt. You're nothing. All right? You're nothing. And I'm going to put a struggle. And the curse is on earth. And he described the struggle that humans are going to have. That work is going to get a whole lot harder and a whole lot more bitter. And it's going to last a long time. All right? And it's going to be hard, he says, And uh, uh, you're going to sweat. You're going to sweat because of it. And you'll remember who you are when you get up and go to work every day. You'll remember. You'll remember. So we'd like to say, man, I wish I didn't have to work. Well, we do. We do. God had made it that way. It's part of the curse. And the curse wrapped itself around the whole earth, not just around Adam's circumstances. Because the Bible says there is a curse on all of nature, and there's a stress in nature. And in the beginning, when God created animals, they were all going to eat grass, or fruit, or whatever. All right? And the stress comes on them, and what follows is chaos. Chaos. Now, where do we see chaos first? Genesis 1, 2. Right? Right? In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth was without form and void. It was chaotic because we believed there was a rebellion down here. And God squashed the rebellion. Now the rebellion has started again. And it leads us to chaos. Alright we're back in chaos. And uh, uh, we're dealing with that. And so the animals started eating each other. They weren't intended to. When God comes, he says he's going to reverse the curse. Then what happens, a lion lays down with the lamb and he leads grass. It returns back the way God intended it to be. And we eat the plants, not each other. (laughs) And that's the way it was. So what was intended now is Chaotic. And we have reintroduced into the human system chaos because of our failure to take care of our responsibility. Say, so, well, Adam did that, not me, yeah? And to Adam came through everyone so that we would know later on that one other person would get us back out of the mess. All right, so in Adam, all sin, and Jesus all live, all resurrect it'll all be wonderful. So uh, we have uh, very clearly laid out that humans should have had a, a certain amount of concept of who they were and what it was for, all right? <clears> there <throat> was rest, but there was work, all right? Creation didn't need him, but he could use it. You were made in God's image, but you're made of dirt, all right? And the Garden of Eden is beautiful, has poison ivy in it. You got responsibilities. I'm gonna give you marriage. You cling together like crazy. And the first time sin comes in, what happens? I didn't do it. You did it. I didn't do it. You did it. All right. Has that been the call in marriages? For <laughs> I didn't do it. Somebody. She did it. He did it. Somebody else did it. All right. So now we have laid down a whole new situation, right? From what was intended. God intended it to be responsible, work, but pleasant, delightful, good, no death. Enjoy it, here, enjoy it. Say, nope, because I wanna be like you. I wanna be God. I'm in charge. I run my own life. I take care of it myself. And to you who think that, I say, good luck. Let me know how it goes. I try running your own life. See how it goes for a while. See if you like it. <laughs> I like God running my life. It works a lot better. It works a lot better. And so. We have humans are responsible, and we've been put in a bad situation by what we inherited from Adam, the first man. It didn't take long to mess things up, right? Right away, things got messed up. But now we know how the world works, right? The world, how does it work? How did it ever come to be like this? Why is there marriage and why is there stress and why is there bitterness in the world? Uh, there it is. Tells you the whole human situation in just three chapters. And now we get going to four and see how it goes after that next week. Thank you. Thank you,